Hey everyone, welcome back to the What Do They Know podcast. Nick is solo for one more week and he'll break down all the top stories from this week, including the big Christmas night game between the Ravens and the 49ers. Nick will also give his take on the current MVP race as we get down to the last two weeks of the season and he'll give you some games to watch out for next week. But hey, what do they know? What do they know? Well, we are about to find out what's going on, everybody. This is the week 16 edition of the What Do They Know podcast. Uh, Nick Hoskins back with you this week, flying solo for one more week before we get back our co-host, um, Jeff Garcia, who I think is in route or or just barely getting home as we speak as we're sitting here Tuesday night. Um, we're recording a little late due to the due to Christmas, so hopefully everybody had a great time with their families um, and, and got to watch some of the football because um, there were a lot of good games uh, this past weekend. So um, I'm going to try and break some of it down for you. Um, and get you guys ready for the last two weeks of the season. And then Jeff and I will be back in person. Um, probably going to be delayed again this coming week because of, of New Year's Eve and New Year's. Um, but we are, you know, we have plans to get get together and make sure we get something out, out for you next week. So um, just jumping right into the top stories. Um, I think, you know, the clear cut story for this, this, this week was the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, the 11 and three, traveling all the way to San Francisco, who also was 11 and three, everybody kind of assumed, you know, San Francisco is the team to be in the NFL, the clear cut Super Bowl favorites. And Baltimore just went in and punched them right in the mouth. Um, you know, they, they're one of the few teams who showed they can match the physicality of the 49ers. Um, and, you know, everybody talks about Lamar Jackson and the run game and the weapons that they have on offense with the receivers, you know, Zay Flowers, um, Odell Beckham, um, Isaiah Likely or Mark Andrews when he's healthy, but nobody really talks about the defense and their defense showed out last night. Um, they, you know, obviously they they, they uh, forced Brock Purdy to throw four interceptions, um, three of them in the first half. Um, one of them was just a great athletic play, kind of a tipped pass um, at the line of scrimmage on a, on a screen. Um, so nothing really necessarily that Brock did anything, you know, Brock did wrong there, but um, the other two were definitely, you know, trying to force some throws, trying to make stuff happen. Um, and the defense just jumped in and, and made plays and did what they did. So um, I feel like their their full effect was was on display last night from from their offense to, like I said, their defense. And and when you consider they did not get off, they got they got off to a very ominous start with a, a crazy play that I've actually never seen before with um, Lamar Jackson tripping over one of the umpires in the end zone and trying to throw the ball away, which he then got called for intentional grounding and ultimately um, a safety, which was bizarre. I've, like I said, I've never seen that before. He was scrambling to his left, trying to evade some pressure. The umpire slipped in the end zone. And so he was just kind of laying there and Lamar obviously didn't see him. His, his back was to him. So when he tried to scramble, he tripped over him and ended up throwing the ball away. And like I said, getting a penalty for intentional grounding, which ultimately when that happens in the end zone, that's a safety. So, um, bizarre bizarre way to start the game you know i think that was in the first five minutes of the game you're down two nothing for something that really you could say wasn't even their fault wasn't you know wasn't anybody's fault it's just something that happens um but they you know they battled back i kind of felt like when that happened that was a sign of things to come for the for the night i kind of felt like you know that was the the 49ers gaining their momentum and maybe a way that nobody saw but um nobody saw it coming i mean but um that didn't happen you know baltimore credit to them um they they kept going and they and they made plays and and they they won that game handily 
Um, so they put the rest of the league on notice, um, which I'm, I'm selfishly excited about. Um, at the beginning of the season, this matchup was my Super Bowl prediction, and I picked the Ravens to, to actually come out on top, um, which going into last night I did not think was going to happen if the two did meet in the Super Bowl. Um, I kind of felt like it was the Niners to lose, um, and the Ravens went out and showed me and showed everybody else um, that you know they they are the team to be in, in the NFL. So um, that was you know I, I hope we see that rematch again um, because there was there was so much energy, so much adrenaline um, in in that game. Defenses were just flying around. You know, receivers were trying to make plays. McCaffrey, George Kittle, everybody. Um, there's just a ton of stars on those two teams. So I would, I would love to see, um, that, that rematch in the Super Bowl. Um, one of my top stories is just what a terrible take, um, I had last week. I'm kind of putting myself on blast here, but for those of you who listened last week, one of my predictions was that the chiefs were in a really good spot to actually sneak, you know, kind of come out of nowhere and take the number one seed from both Miami and Baltimore, um, giving, given, the, the schedules of all three teams, um, you know, Kansas City had on paper and a much easier schedule. And, you know, Baltimore and Miami both have a really tough schedule to end the season. Uh, but it was the complete opposite. Um, Kansas City looked absolutely horrible against the Raiders on Christmas Day. Um, and both Miami and Baltimore ended up winning their games, which were tough matchups that they were both expected to lose. Um, so now, obviously, that is not going to happen. And that was a really, really you know, just, just horrible take for me, honestly. Um, but the bigger story is obviously not my take. It's how the, the, the chiefs are playing and just how disjointed they are. I feel like, you know, they tricked me with their win against Kansas, uh, with new, against new England. I think they put up 27 points and it, you know, kind of seemed like maybe they were going to figure it out. And it, it was just the opposite. Um, you know, they, from the very beginning of the game, two straight three and outs to start the game, which the chiefs never do much less twice in a row. Um, you know, they had two plays in a row on offense that were turnovers. It was a fumbled exchange between, you know, Mahomes and, and Isaiah Pacheco and then, a, and then an interception from Mahomes. And both of those got returned for a touchdown. So you're talking about two back-to-back plays spotting, spotting your opponent, 14 points. Um, and it's just, you can just kind of see it. It's starting to become, more and more visible. Obviously, you had the outburst from Mahomes a few weeks ago in the Bills game, uh, but this week, you know, you had Travis Kelsey slamming his helmet uh, on the sideline, and then you know there was that clip of of Andy Reid kind of uh, putting him in his place, for lack of a better term, and basically telling him that you know to to cut it out. It kind of gave him a a shoulder shiver, which you, you don't really see anybody in the NFL do, much less a coach. Kind of you know lower his shoulder into him and. Um, it was a pretty, pretty heated and pretty passionate conversation. So you can kind of, you know, obviously that stuff is starting to bubble over and, and things are coming to the surface, which, you know, it, there's just gotta be so much frustration, um, with that team, um, with, you know, think about the fact that they're defending Super Bowl champs, um, and how stagnant their offense is right now. Uh, it, it's, it, we talked, we've talked about it at length on this show, a couple of different things, right? They, they have gotten to the point where if you take away Travis Kelsey, you're, you're done. You have nobody else. You have Isaiah Pacheco to, you know, to run the ball, get a few good yards. He's a, he's a grinder. He's going to get you yards after, after contact. Um, he's, he's great, but he, you know, when you take away Kelsey, they have, it's everybody's on record. They have, they do not have quality receivers to throw to. And, you know, it's, it's kind of shown in Kelsey's numbers the last, I think three or four weeks. Um, he's been held to four or five catches for, you know, anywhere from 
40 to 50 yards the last three weeks. And that is not, that is not a Travis Kelsey stat line. Um, and I don't think it's something, I don't think it's easy enough to just boil it down to, well, he's, you know, he's getting old. I think it's the fact that people, teams have figured out how to contain him and, and know that if they do that, the rest of the offense is just not going to be able to flow and not going to be able to perform. And that's a problem. Um, it's never good when you can eliminate one person from your offense and basically take away your entire, um, game plan. So, um, the, the chiefs, man, I think that, you know, Jeff called it super early this season. And so credit to him. Um, they very easily could be one and done in the playoffs. Cause you think about the, 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 the seedings in the AFC right now, one through seven, who, who do you feel like they're the, where you can look at them and say, oh, yeah, the Chiefs are definitely going to beat them? I mean, you look at your wild card teams right now, they're the options of who they have to play. I'll, pick, I'll read it off as, as of we sit here, you know, Tuesday night. Um, so the three wild card teams are, <clears throat> excuse me, Cleveland at five, Buffalo at six, and Indy at seven. Uh, there's none of those teams that I look at and say, well, they definitely cannot beat Kansas City. Right now, it would be, um, it would be, Buffalo at Kansas City right now. And we've already seen that rematch once. And I would argue that Buffalo is playing better than they were then. And Kansas City is playing worse than they were then. So I think that, you know, it's just not, it's not good for them. Obviously, I'm never going to sit here until I see it, right? Until I see Mahomes and the Chiefs lose um, in and around other than the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship game. I'm never going to say that. I'm never going to say they're done. Um, but this is, I think the year that it could, it could finally happen. So, um, a lot to figure out with the chiefs. Um, and I think that, that Jeff, I think Jeff called it at the end of the day, I think they're going to be one and done. And, um, it's going to be a big, a big storyline going into, going into the off season. And also, and they, they talked about this on ESPN radio this morning on my way to work. And Jeff and I kind of talked about it, um, earlier in the season, I think that this just continues to show the value of Eric Bieniemy um, and what they lost by letting him go to Washington. Um, you know, because every, again, he was kind of the silent man. Everybody was giving everybody was giving credit to Andy Reid as being the offensive mastermind, and and he and he probably is. He's probably um, a good majority of it. But when you lose Eric Bieniemy and you bring in, oh gosh, what was his name? Um, He's the former head coach of Chicago, oh, Matt Nagy, uh, former head coach of Chicago. Um, he's He was previously at Kansas City. He left to take the head coaching job at Chicago. He was a dud there. Their offense was terrible. Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky ended up being a bust because of Matt Nagy. And then he goes back to Kansas City. He replaces uh, the enemy, and the offense looks like it does now. So I think that this season has done a lot, in my opinion, for the stock in the enemy, so to speak, like how, how, how valuable he is um, and how valuable he was when he was in Kansas city. So I think that that's um, something to watch this off season, what they do from a coaching perspective, but also what they do from a personnel, obviously perspective addressing um, just the talent around Patrick Mahomes, because they cannot go another season um, with this lack of depth at the wide receiver position. They just can't. Um, Another big story is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, they they are coming, I, I would say, kind of out of nowhere. Um, they had a really good win against Jacksonville this week, beat them soundly, um, and they're now sitting at eight and seven in solo first place in the in the NFC South. Two weeks left to go. Um, 
their remaining games are uh, home to the Saints and at Carolina. Um, so two division games. Um, Carolina, you know, on paper should be a win. Um, and the Saints, who knows? They they lost to St. Uh, Louis. They lost to the Rams, the L.A. Rams, on Thursday Night Football last week. But their offense, you could argue it could have been, it was because of game script. But their offense is probably one of the better weeks that they've had. Derek Carr had a great game. Um, Chris Olave had a phenomenal game. Um, and so, you know, who knows what you're going to get with the Saints. I feel like you just never know. Um, but the Bucks, man, when you talk about Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans, um, you know, I give credit to, to, to Jeff all the time for his takes. I'll kind of give myself some credit. I kind of thought this at the beginning of the year that Baker Mayfield could have a little bit of a resurgence and Mike Evans, he and Mike Evans could have a really big connection this year. And it's, it's proven to, to come to fruition exactly how I kind of thought that it could. Um, they've been great. You know, I saw something on social media today comparing the numbers um, between Baker Mayfield and Mahomes, and they're pretty much equivalent or Baker's leading in a majority of the categories when you talk about yards per game, touchdown to interception ratio, um, QBR, all those things that, that you look at when you're evaluating a quarterback. They are very similar. If not, you know, some of, you know, Baker have might have the edge in a few of them. Um, so he's having a he's having a great year. Um, he's getting himself. I think I think he went to Tampa Bay on a one year deal. So he's definitely getting himself a contract somewhere. Um, if you know if it's not an extension in, in Tampa Bay, who knows? It could be. Um, but really happy for Baker. I've always been a Baker fan. I know he's kind of, um, you know, you either love him or hate him. Um, but I, I I've always been a fan. I think he you know he plays with just crazy passion. And, you know, he's always been one of those guys where he has, if he has momentum or if he's on any sort of hot streak, um, you know, watch out because he's a force to be reckoned with. And I feel like he's on that right now. Um, so he's, you know, he, they're having a great season. Credit to him and Todd Bowles. Um, everybody, you know, my co-host included Jeff, really, I think he picked them to finish last in the division um, with our predictions at the beginning of the season. And um, everybody kind of chalked it up to a rebuilding year for Tampa Bay. Um, and it clearly has not been. They're gonna. It, it looks like they might, you know, end up taking the division um, and have nine or ten wins. Which, you know, this division. Oh, everybody always jokes that you can win this division with seven or eight wins, and you know, it's not looking that way this season. So, um, credit to the Bucks. I'm excited for Baker. I hope you know they they continue their success. I really, like I said, I really like Baker, and and I feel like they've surprised a lot of people with how well they've played and and the numbers that he and Mike Evans just continue to put up week after week. Um, the AFC South is a really good story. We, you know, we have two weeks left and we have three teams at eight and seven. Um, when you talk about Jacksonville, Indianapolis and Houston, Jacksonville obviously had a tough loss um, against the Bucks, Like we just talked about um, they're coming off, I think three losses in a row. Now, when you talk about Cleveland, um, Baltimore, and now Tampa Bay, um, three losses in a row. So they're sitting there at a tie for first, um, barely in the playoff picture. When you look at the remaining schedules, I think that it probably favors Jacksonville when you, you know, they're home against the Panthers this week and then they're at Tennessee. Um, so two under 500 teams. We talk about the Panthers who are the worst team in the league and the Titans who have all sorts of quarterback issues going between Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill. Um, they're a five win team. Um, so on paper, you know, that those are two good matchups for Jacksonville um, Indianapolis, they have their home against the Raiders and then their home against the Texans. Um, you know, I've already talked on this show about how that last week 
could very easily be for a wild card spot. But right now, I mean, who knows? It could be for the division as well, um, the way that these things are shaken out. And then Houston, they have the Titans this week, and then obviously at the Colts next week. So um, quarterbacks are the story of this division. Um, you know, Jacksonville, they reported today that um, Trevor Lawrence has a, has a right shoulder sprain, um, and he didn't practice today, and, and they said that he probably would not practice tomorrow. Um, so it sounds like he's very questionable for this week. Um, again, they're playing the Panthers. So, you know, take that for what, it, for what it's worth. Um, my light just shut off. Um, take that for what it's worth. Who knows what the Panthers are going to produce every week. Um, and then again, the Titans next week. And then obviously you have Houston with CJ Stroud, who, you know, he's missed now two weeks in a row. They were able to salvage a win the first week, but then got pretty much walloped by um, Cleveland this week and Joe Flacco and the hot streak that he's on. So um, lots of quarterback issues or, or I guess questions um, in this division. And I think the health of Trevor Lawrence and CJ Stroud are going to play an enormous role um, in who, who ends up, who ends up winning this division. So um, keep an eye out for that. So uh, one thing that we actually haven't talked about on this show is the MVP race. Um, that, you know, this time of year, it's the, the, the big hot topic of conversation. Who should win MVP? Who should win MVP? And every week it's somebody different. You talk about Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson, uh, Dak Prescott, um, Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey. And then there's the whole separate debate on, is this only a quarterback award or should it be only a quarterback award? I think it's become that personally. And I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree um, with that. I know that the quarterback is arguably the most important position in all of sports. Um, without a good quarterback, you're going nowhere. I mean, take a look at the Jets this year with what happened with their quarterback. On paper, they had a phenomenal quarterback, and then everything fell apart, and their, their season pretty much fell apart. So I don't argue that the value of a quarterback, but I think it's on a case-by-case basis. You know, for me, and this is my shout-out to my dad, he has – kind of instilled this in me for as long as I can remember with MVP, whether it's football, baseball, basketball. Um, And I, you know, I've come to believe this, that the MVP, when you look at an MVP, it's what does their team look like without them? Like what, what, how will their team perform if something happens to them? Right. So for me personally, um, that eliminates Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy right away. Um, because I think that those two, that system is plug and play. Um, personally, I know McCaffrey, he's a beast. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I get all that. But I think if you put another very talented running back in that system, um, they're going to thrive personally. Um, and Brock Purdy, I love Brock Purdy. I think he's a great kid, great dude, great story. Um, but I think if you throw their backup, Sam Darnold, um, in, in there, I think he's going to do fine. Um, obviously you, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo go to the Super Bowl and go to the NFC championship in this system under Kyle Shanahan. So I, I think that eliminates, in my opinion, it, it eliminates Brock Purdy as well. Um, and so I wrote down two names. Um, one is a quarterback and one is not. So I wrote down Tyree kill and Lamar Jackson. And I think I'm leaning Tyree kill even though he won't win it, this is, you know, it's, he's kind of fallen out of the discussion, but for me, he is the most valuable player in this league and the most valuable player to his team. 
Um, a perfect example is two weeks two weeks ago, I think it was Monday Night Football um, against the Titans. He went out in the middle of the first quarter with um, an ankle sprain, I think it was, and he missed a good majority of the game. I think he came in towards the end of the fourth quarter, but the Dolphins looked completely out of sync. Um, they looked, they did not look like the Dolphins. They had no flow. Um, obviously, it was one of their season lows um, in in points um, for for the season. I think they scored twenty or twenty three points, um, and you know it was a prime example of how valuable Tyreek Hill is in that offense because as soon as he came back in, Tua was stretching the field. Um, Tua had rhythm. He you could just tell he was more comfortable, and I think that was pretty much the perfect example of what happens when your best player is not there, what what your team looks like. And so for me personally, I don't think there's anybody more valuable to their team than Tyreek Hill. That's my opinion. Um, so if it were me, if I had a vote, I'd probably lean towards giving him the award. Um, I could also make an argument for Lamar Jackson because, you know, Baltimore, since Lamar has been in the league, um, Baltimore has always done a phenomenal job at catering the offense around him, making the system built for him. And so, you know, it's kind of the complete opposite of what I just talked about with Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy, how you can throw anybody in that system and it's kind of plug and play and they'll be successful. I think the opposite could be said about Baltimore, whereas if you throw in another quarterback in that system, it's not going to look the same and they, they're probably not going to be nearly as successful as Lamar Jackson is in that system. So um, those are my two picks um, with, again, the edge, me giving it to Tyreek Hill. Um, but again, I, I know I'm the minority in this conversation. I know that it's going to go to a quarterback. It might even go to Christian McCaffrey. Who knows? But for me, again, what does your team look like um, when you take your best player away? Or what, you know, what does the team look like when you take this player away? Um you know, same way I would, I would argue that Aaron Judge should be the MVP every year in the American League. And granted, I'm a Yankee fan; I'm biased, but the Yankees showed what they look like without Aaron Judge this year when he hurt, when he got that toe injury and missed several weeks. Um, they they were they were a complete loss without without their captain, without their best player, their best hitter, their best you know defensive player. Um, they were a complete shell of themselves. Whereas, you know, Shohei Otani, again, this is a baseball conversation, so maybe not everybody is going to be, you know, into this conversation and understand what I mean. Shohei Otani is a generational talent. Obviously, he's he's the next Babe Ruth. Some people say he's better than Babe Ruth. He can hit, he can pitch. He puts up phenomenal numbers. But if you go to my argument, which which is what does your team look like without you, the Angels are still a, sub, a subpar, terrible team without Shohei Otani. He doesn't bring them to that next level of of success where Aaron Judge does. And I think the same conversation can be said in the football field for Tyreek Hill and um, Lamar Jackson. Those guys elevate their teams, whereas if they weren't there, these teams would not be successful. Um, so, again, I think that's that's why I have those guys in there, and that's why I eliminated the two candidates from San Francisco because I think San Francisco would still be without – one of those two guys would be in those two guys being um, Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. I still think that in San Francisco would be a, a 10 plus win team easily. Um, so that's my take on the MVP race. I'll be curious to see what Jeff says when he comes back um, as to who, who his MVP would be. 
Um, I know my thinking isn't necessarily in line with the majority of people when it comes to the quarterback position. So that's fine. Um, but that's just the way that I've always been. That's where my dad taught me. And that's kind of the way that I've always been ingrained and, and thought about it. Um, so yeah, you know, I'd love your guys' feedback on that. Feel free to, you know, message me or, or comment on the link when we end up posting this and just, you know, if you agree, if you think I'm crazy, who your MVP should be, I think that would be a great conversation for next week as well when Jeff comes back. Um, so feel free to send in any comments or, or um, critiques, if you will, um, on, on that conversation, because I think it's a great conversation. There's, there's really no, in my opinion, there's really no wrong answer as to who your MVP is or how you look at it. Um, the one thing that I will say is I don't think that it should be limited to just quarterbacks, but it's hard when the quarterback is the most valuable position on the field. So um, we'll leave that for now. And I'm going to transition quickly to my uh, my power rankings, which is going to be pretty quick because nothing changed. Um, well, none of the teams changed. My order changed slightly at the top. And so basically all I did is I flip flopped the Ravens um, and the 49ers. So now the Ravens are one 49ers are two. Um, Miami stayed at three, Cleveland stayed at four, Detroit stayed at five. I really had no reason to switch those. Um, so those are my top five, very, very similar to last, last week. Um, obviously, <coughs> excuse me, with the Ravens beating the Niners, um, felt like it was appropriate to flip flop them. Um, what to watch for this week. Um, a couple big games that I, you know, there's not as many as I went over last week, but two big ones for, um, seedings and just momentum kind of going into the playoffs. Um, there's a Saturday primetime game lions at Cowboys. Um, you know, eight 30, I think it's on, I think it's ESPN. I think they're doing that instead of Monday night football they're, they don't have a Monday night game. So they're doing Saturday instead for some reason. Um, so that'll be a really good matchup. Obviously, the Lions just locked up the NFC the NFC North um, for the first time in a very long time. I think it's since 1993, I heard today, or something something crazy like that. So um, I'm super pumped for the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. Um, I like Jared Goff, too. I think he's a great story when you talk about, you know, he was kind of, when you look at that trade the, the, with the Rams and the Lions, you know, obviously Stafford going to the, uh, to the Rams, um, and then the Lions get a boatload of picks, but then they also got Jared Goff, who pretty much was like a salary dump, like, hey, take this contract off our hands if you're the Rams, like we don't want him anymore. And so he kind of was just sent off to the island, kind of an outcast. Nobody really talked about him as part of that trade. Um, and when you think about, I think they won one game his first season. Um, it was it was his first season. And it was Dan Campbell's first season. They won one game. And that was only two or three years ago. And so for them to have 11 wins, um, you know, be the NFC North champions, it's just a great story. And it's a credit to him. It's a credit to um, Dan Campbell. So I'm excited for them. Um, they're playing the Cowboys, who obviously came off a loss at Miami, which I was very surprised about. I expected them to beat Miami. Um, it was a good win for Miami. The first time they've really shown that they can beat, um, you know, quality competition um, with, with you know, the 10-win Cowboys. And the Cowboys, man, they have such a drastic um when you look at their statistics at home versus on the road um it's night and day i mean they put up almost 40 points a game at home versus i think it's like 22 or 23 at home at uh, excuse me on the road um their record is they're undefeated at home and i think they only have three wins on the road they're like three and six on the road so um or three and four something like that but it, there, it's a drastic difference and so you know, that that's going to need to be figured out pretty quick. 
Um, when you look at the fact that they are currently a wild card team, obviously they have 10, uh, 10 wins, but if, if things finish where they're at now, the Eagles are going to be the division winner and the Cowboys are going to be that, that first wild card spot, that number five seed. And so every one of their playoff games will be the, on the road. So they're going to need to figure that out pretty quick if they want to go anywhere. Um, obviously this week is at home, so that's not necessarily one of the storylines, but, um, it should be a good matchup nonetheless. And then probably the game of the week um, is Miami at Baltimore. And it's actually a one o'clock game on Sunday. I was pretty surprised that that um, didn't get flexed to either a primetime game or at least a four o'clock game. Um, I don't know why it's at one o'clock. I don't, I don't love that, but um, you know, nobody cares. The NFL doesn't care what I think people are going to watch regardless, but it's going to be a phenomenal game. Um, 12 and three versus 11 and four. Um, So, Baltimore currently has the number one seed. Uh, Miami's right behind them at the two. And obviously that could that could flip-flop if Miami pulls off the huge up. I think it would, personally, I think it would be a massive upset um, just given the fact that how amazing Baltimore looked um, at San Francisco. And then this game is at Baltimore. It's going to be more than likely cold weather. Miami's a, a, obviously a warm weather team um, on the road. So we'll see. I, I think that Baltimore wins this game and probably locks up that number one seed. Um, but it should be a, a, a great matchup nonetheless. Um, from a fantasy football perspective, obviously most of your leagues should be coming up, approaching um, the championship round. And so there were tons of, of great performances this, this last week, but I'm really going to only highlight one, and it's partly for selfish reasons, and that's Amari Cooper. Um, he had an unbelievable game this week when his stat line he had 11 catches 265 yards and two touchdowns so if you're in a standard ppr league um points per reception that equated to 51 and a half points um and he single-handedly won me my semifinal matchup and put me into the finals this week so i'm pumped about that that's why i said it's for selfish reasons um one thing I thought was really, really interesting, and it just shows it goes to it speaks to the talent in in the league and the, and the guys that are that can very easily win you your matchup. If you know Jeff and I have talked about it all the time, like if you have this guy on your team, um, you're in good shape every single week. And so I had two different semifinal matchups this week in two leagues, and I was facing the same three guys in both leagues. The quarterback was Lamar Jackson. The running backs were Christian McCaffrey and Kyron Williams, the running back from the Rams. The Both teams in two completely separate leagues had those three players. And I thought that was really interesting because that, that shows you that those are, those are guys. And you don't, obviously you don't typically think of Kyron Williams in that category, but um, he's had a really good season. And, and obviously McCaffrey and, and Lamar Jackson, they go without speak, They, you know, they go without saying, but um, I thought that was really interesting. Kind of go, like I said, it goes to the point that me and Jeff have always talked about where, you know Travis Kelsey, and obviously not so far, not so much the last few weeks, but he used to be that guy. If you had him on your lead and your team, you were in good shape every week. And this season, it seems to be Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey, which is why both of those other teams I was facing were in the semifinals. Um, so I just thought that, that was really interesting. But um, Amari Cooper had an an amazing week. Um, George Pickens had an awesome week, which I would venture to guess most people had him on their bench. Um, just because the, the Steelers have shown no signs of offense. Pickens hasn't really put up any any big games, but he had, I want to say he had 150 yards and two touchdowns, um, had over 30 points. 
So if you started him, good for you, man. You you probably did, you know, you rewarded yourself in a big way by making that decision. But I would venture to guess that most people did not start him. Um, but nevertheless, we are approaching championship week for fantasy football. Um, so make sure you, again, we have a Saturday, Saturday game. We have the Thursday game. Um, Jets at Browns is the Thursday game this week. Um, so Amari Cooper's playing obviously Joe Flacco. If you're desperate for a quarterback, you know, he might not be a bad start, but, um, the Jets do have a phenomenal defense pass defense specifically. Um, so I'm actually myself not totally comfortable with the Amari Cooper matchup, even coming off of that phenomenal week, just because the Jets cornerbacks are both great. Um, but we'll see what happens there. So make sure you pay attention to your lineups and good luck going into the championship week. Um, in fantasy football, if you're like me, I've already won because we do, I'm in a money league and we do 500 for first place and 200 for second place. Um, it's a 14 team league. So the pot was pretty big. Um, so I've already won uh, at least a little bit, um, but obviously it would be nice to, to win the full pot. So, um, good luck to all of you. If you have, if any of you have able, have been able to make, um, a championship week, um, and then, we are going to finish off by just doing our picks for next week. I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I, Jeff has officially, I think, mathematically. No, I mean, I would have to go 2-0 the, the remaining two weeks, and he would have to go 0-2. Um, but I went 0-2 again last week, I, and and just two, just two horrible picks. Obviously, the Chiefs at the Raiders, which I already talked about, they were my lock. I was convinced they were going to not only win that game, but they were going to take over the number one seed which just did not happen. And then the Colts over the Falcons that I, I literally sat there on Sunday and I was like, this makes no sense to me. How is, how does this outcome happen when you take a team like the Colts who have been on fire, have been having all these big wins. And then you take a team like the Falcons who we just talked about, got um, had a, probably arguably the worst loss of, of anybody this season. Um, the clunker that they had against Carolina, the one win Carolina Panthers, they had just come off that terrible loss. And then uh, Atlanta decides to beat the Colts. Um, I don't understand that at all. I, I, I would, I was so, so sure. I, I said that the Colts could also have been my lock as well. Um, cause I didn't understand how the Falcons were favored by one point, but what 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 do I know at this point? I, I don't know. Um, the Falcons won handily um, last week, and so I went zero and two. And on the flip side, Jeff went two and zero. So he's he's pretty much got this thing on lock. He had the Bills over the Chargers, and then he had the Browns over the Texans. Which again, I don't know how the Texans were favored in that game. They were favored by two and a half. When you talk about the fact that C.J. Stroud was out, the Browns have been on a hot streak. That that line made no sense to me, but. You know, Jeff took advantage of it, so good on him. So he sits at 17 and 9. I am even at 13 and 13. So he has a four game lead on me. So basically, I would have to go 2 and 0 the remain. So 4 and 0 the last two weeks. And he would have to go 0 and 4 for us to even tie. So I'm not loving that, um, but we're going to continue this nonetheless. So um, his lock, again, I let him pick this week. He, he texted me his picks, um, obviously, because he's not here. Um, his lock is the Bills over the Pats which I, I, I don't know anything anymore because of these picks I've done so bad. But that one, um, I, I think I said this today, this week to my brother-in-law about the Bills because he's a, he's a diehard Bills fan. I think that the nobody plays 
to the level of their competition like the Bills do. Meaning if they play a 12-win team and there's there's just a ton of hype around the game, they're going to come out guns blazing. They're going to they're going to play phenomenal, kind of like they did against the Chiefs and the Cowboys and even the Eagles even though they didn't win that game, they played great. Um, whereas, you know, this past week against the five-win Chargers coming off of, you know, firing their head coach and losing by over 40 points, the Bills had to win on a field goal with under a minute left in the game. Um, so they didn't blow their socks off by any means. So I feel like the Bills have this problem where, again, they played down or up to the level of their competition, which is great once you get into the playoffs because you're playing great competition every week, so that shouldn't be an issue. But games like this one against the Patriots, um, it scares me a lot for them, especially when you talk about the Patriots beating um, – the Broncos on Sunday night football this past week, you know, a decent win, a seven win team. Um, so they're coming off a win. Belichick knows he is probably coaching his last few games in new England. Um, so I don't know that matchup, uh, that matchup scares me. I, I, I still think the bills are going to win. I think they're probably going to win out um, and make the playoffs, but I don't know that I would have been confident enough to put that as my lock. Um, but Jeff clearly knows more than me. Um, so we'll go with that. And then his upset is the Raiders over the Colts. Uh, the Colts are favored by three points. Uh, my pick, my lock, is I have the 49ers over Washington. Um, again, what do I know? But that seems like a no-brainer to me. The, the the commanders have the worst defense in the league. I mean, they let the Jets go, score 30 points this week with Trevor's, Trevor freaking Simeon. Um, so I, I think if the Jets can score 30 points, 49ers should be able to put up 50 on them. Um, so we'll see what happens there. And then my upset is actually the Lions over the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys are favored by six points. I know the stats that I already talked about and the narrative that the Cowboys are unbeatable at home and shaky on the road. But I think that's got to end at some point. And I think that the Lions are playing great football right now. Um, you know, they're going to come in there and they're going to they're going to they're going to pull the upset. So um, those are our picks for the week. And so we will keep you updated on that um, next week. So um, that's what I got for you this week. It's a little shorter than I than I would have liked, but you know, flying solo, um, I wanted to at least get something in front of you guys. So um, you know, again, let me know what you thought about my MVP conversation. I think that that's a, a really interesting topic um, and talking point. So send in anything that that you guys you know either think about that or 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 want to talk about for next week. Um, let us know if you're in any fantasy football championships, how you did, what what decisions you had to make, um, anything like that. So we can, you know, we can chime in and talk about that next week. Um, like I said, Jeff is back. He will be back in person with me next week. We will be recording on Monday, New Year's Day instead of Sunday. So we may not get it out Tuesday like we normally do, um, but we have a plan in place. We're going to record um, and do our Week 17 show on Monday, New Year's Day during the college football playoff games. So stay tuned for that. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to What Did They Know podcast. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media outlets to see future episode details. And don't forget to send in any questions or topics that you want to see the guys discuss in their weekly episodes to come.